This is Gil Manser with an Irish toast befitting this weekend's weather. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields. That will be particularly appropriate to our guest today, and I'll tell you about that in just a minute. But I want to welcome you to Word by Word Conversations with Writers on North Bay Public Media, KRCB-FM, where today's guests are from the 9th Annual Sebastopol Documentary Film Festival, which opens on, appropriately, St. Patrick's Day, Thursday evening, March 17th, until Sunday afternoon, March 20th, at the Sebastopol Center for the Arts. Sharing the microphone with me is the program director and documentary filmmaker Randy Hall. We're also going to have phone-in conversations with filmmaker Ben Proudfoot. Randy, I want to welcome you once again to Word by Word. Thanks for having me. It's Did so you good like to be that here. Uh, blessing to have? That your, was very nice. Your fields very, be not I, too muddy and yeah, soft. And, and the little sock on the end of the microphone here too. That's is that. also very aptly colored <laughs> for the season. So you, yes. you have to explain to our listeners why I'm talking about fields uh, to you, who are um, you know a man who's working with films. Oh well. Uh, I'm not sure why you're saying that. Because of your farmness. Oh, well, yes. I, uh, <laughs> we, we have, um, you know, my, my family, uh, my wife raises dairy goats at our, at our farm out in uh, the Laguna. Mm-hmm. And uh, this week is a very rainy one. And so it has been, uh, there's the, all, the, all the earmarks of, of we, will, we'll, we won't be underwater, but it'll be very soggy. Right. And so, yes, we do have... Uh, uh, dairy goats out there, and yeah, it's uh, it's it's a lovely little stretch of land and a nice area to live in. So. You originally came to the film festival as a filmmaker whose short doc focused on the raw milk dairy farmer. I can't remember the title. Yeah, my, uh, the the title of the film was utterly direct. Utterly direct, yeah. of course. And uh, the dairy man um, is Mark McAfee out at Organic Pastures Dairy down in Fresno. Mm-hmm. Um, still still doing the fighting the good fight. As a matter of fact, I wanted. Uh, uh, shout out to Mark. Hey, man, how you doing? But um, also that, uh, you know, the the premise of my film was that he had been shut down due to, um, you know, state regulators discovering that or or uncovering that people who had drank his milk got sick um, and shut him down and quarantined him. They tested the milk and, and didn't find anything and he was able to reopen. Uh, since then, he's actually refined his process such that they can't even detect – any coliform bacteria in his milk. I mean, that's like that was. I caught up with him about a year and a half later after the after the film had uh, uh, screened in Sebastopol and and kind of said, "So how are things?" And he says, "They're great." I said, "Well, are you guys running into any problems?" He's like, "No, I've, I've, you know, their process is now so clean. It you know, it's yeah, it, it's amazing because I remember at the time when we talked with him, it was never going to be." Um, uh, he he was really kind of concerned that that you know this was a standard that he was never going to be able to meet in terms right. of cleanliness. Right. And yeah, a year and a half later, he blew past it. So yeah. Okay. So anyway, mo- moving on to movies. <laughs> yeah. So what is the difference now that you are the uh, programmer for the festival? I know. Uh, rather it, than the the man sitting in the audience looking proud. Oh uh, well, it's uh, you know it, it's an interesting journey. I I took over from. Uh, the former director Jason Perdue in June of last year, and pretty much immediately was right in the thick of things because uh, uh, call for submissions had just opened, and so I jumped in, and then I had to run it. I mean, it was not you know it was there was no safety net, there was really no training book, 
And so what I've discovered <laughs> is that every three to five weeks, the job would change on me. So I'd do something and I'd just get comfortable with how things were going. And then it's like, okay, that's done. Now you got to do this. And I'm like, oh. And so I'd flip and, and the job would change. And, and it's been like that. Right. And you, Chris, for nine months. Bar- part of a larger organization, which is doing things next to you all or not oh, necessarily absolutely. in conjunction, but yeah. in, sometimes in competition. We are unique, actually, for the fact that, um, you know, my role at the Sebastopol Center for the Arts is, uh, you know, usually with film festivals, it's they are their own nonprofit and they they, you know, start and stop. And go do other things the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, yeah, my role is a year-round uh, job at the Center for the Arts, and I work alongside my 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 fellow staff there. And there, we we have gal, we have uh, you know visual arts going. We have music and performing arts. Uh, there's classes. I mean, it's just yeah, it's absolutely you know almost every day of the week is really really busy there, and it's and, great. I mean, and the veterans are still using the building. Yeah, too. absolutely. Yeah, the yeah. veterans uh, are still occupying the building for their events and for memorials and other things that they do. Right. So yeah, you have uh, or the center has completely remodeled the building and set it up so that it works for as a film festival venue. Yeah, we we spent a little bit of money this year to basically bring our second venue into kind of a more uh, cinema uh, friendly sort of arrangement. So now we've we've got it so that we can watch. Uh, um, you know, we we we've ceiling mounted a, a projector and all these other things, so that the the experience is a little more uh, consistent and um, and just. Yeah, preference. We're, I've really focused a lot on technology this year in terms of really trying to create a cinematic experience for uh, the film goer. You also are at the uh, Rialto Cinemas for several screens. Correct. Yeah, we and you've added a new venue, sort of just recently. Yeah, we're we're trying something different this year. We've actually partnered with the Barlow in Sebastopol, and we're going to be working a a, a single screening this year with them for. Um, a film called Rock in the Red Zone, but that's going to be on the Friday night of the festival weekend. Um, and it's just the one screening, but it's it's kind of a special uh, screening because we go from that and then we transition into uh, kind of a new change to our schedule. So uh, where we'll be doing our – usually we do film awards and uh, kind of recognition uh, on the opening night. Right. Uh, which is Thursday night. But then this time – we're, we're, we've moved that to the Barlow, and so we're going to have a big party happening at the Barlow after that film. Right. Good. Yeah. Sounds exciting. Now, you have a very fancy, bright, col- brightly colored. Brightly colored. Um, yeah. Well, a catalog, I guess we could call it. That's we? what they, you know, I, yeah. that's what people tend to call it. I don't. I usually call it just the program, the print program, but a lot of people do call it the, the, the catalog for the festival. Um, smartly designed by Dennis Bolt. We're really pleased with kind of his uh, his relationship with the center too. Mm-hmm. He does Been a num- number of years and he oh, has yeah, a, yeah. he has a graphic sense which makes it stand out. Well, he's a out. visual artist in right. his own right. So right. yeah, he's uh, and he's got a great relationship with uh, the center. Okay, we've got some special events and special programs I want to make sure we talk about. Oh, yeah. But let's put in a plug for how they can get tickets. Oh, sure. Uh, so uh, they can, you know, our first our first preference is folks can go online and purchase them online at sebastopolfilmfestival.org, org. Remember that org part. 
Yes. Uh, the other part is that you can come visit, um, you know, come into the Center for the Arts um, during the gallery hours. And uh, but, I mean, as we're getting closer to the festival, we will have kind of more box office hours um, day to day as we get closer. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's the 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 machine is gearing up for the weekend. So let's look at the special programs. There's mm-hmm. one called Spotlight on Women Filmmakers. Right. So the funny thing that happened this year was that um, – well, it's not funny. It was really kind of inspiring and cool is when we were looking – when we were looking to program, what we discovered was that about half of the films that we programmed were done by women, mm-hmm. um, either in the director or co-director role. And so it was – you know, and I start. It started by seeing that oh, this is a woman director and another. And I was looking at the names, and I'm kind of like, wait a second, I should probably tally this and see where we stand. Um, and so, yeah, it became uh, kind of a a really interesting talking point for us in terms of how we program the festival. I think this time it was. Um, I don't think of it as an accident, but I do think of it as documentary film does lend itself a little more. Um, towards uh, women directors. I know in narrative and and especially in mainstream Hollywood film, the percentages is not, not Under even 5%, close. yeah. Yeah. And so the what we came up with is also my, uh, my festival uh, producer, Cynthia Stefanoni, is also a uh, – she's an assistant director in her own right in the Directors Guild, but she's – came up with an interesting roundtable discussion where we're going to have – she's brought in several women filmmakers, directors in their own right to kind of talk about the state of where we're at with the the industry. I mean, you know, famously with the the Academy Awards just happening and, and the, the all of the, the discussion of lack of diversity in, in how the nominees uh, went – this year around, um, it's it's an interesting time to have this discussion. So I think it's going to be it'll be very enlightening, and we're really looking forward to that. Good. And uh, we talked. We're going to talk a little bit about the life's work by Breakwater Studios. Yeah, um, it is. What's really interesting about that is that it is a documentary web series. It is. It was designed to be viewed online, but it has all of the cinematic. Um, elements and and techniques of of professional filmmaker has done this. I mean, and and they're they're absolutely produced to a T, mm-hmm. and um, beautiful, beautifully shot. You know, uh, 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 custom score for each of the films, and um, yeah, it's just it's really really quality storytelling, and it's all designed to be uh, consumed online. Good. And that brings us right into a phone conversation with director Ben Proudfoot, who with his team created several short vignettes in the Life's Work program, as well as a longer documentary called Rwanda and Juliet. Hi, Ben. This is Gil Manser calling from Ronard Park, California, KRCB-FM, from Word by Word Conversations with Writers. And I'm delighted you could join us today from Los Angeles. I am delighted to be here with you, Gil. Great. We're going to talk about a couple of your films that are in the festival. It's One is called Rwanda and Juliet, and the other one has the very short and pithy and hard-edged title, Stone. So let's, Stone, yes. Yeah. And also... A short title for a short film. Right. And then, of course, to go with that is the short title, Rust. 
Rust. Yes. Yes. Rust. Very uh, all very pithy. Yes. You did you Looks think good about on a that? billboard? Did you think of that a long time? Because you know these are the kind of things when you come up with the word stone or rust and you do a a search on Google, you end up with seven million uh, replies, none of which are what you're looking <laughs> Well, well, actually, what it was was we. It's sort of a funny. It was very practical. We we did all of the titles for these films practically, where we filmed them <laughs> actually in the medium of these crap. They're all short films about master craftspeople, right? Where we filmed them in reality, carved into stone. So so the longer the title, the more work it was. So we tried to keep them short, like under seven letters. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> That's the truth. So one is the stone title is in stone, and the rust title is in rust. Yeah, it's in, it's uh, he welded it ah. out of a big rusted piece of gotcha. uh, sheet metal. Okay, Rwanda and Juliet. Now, give yeah. us a little background about the story. This is, as you say, 22 years after Hotel Rwanda's events, uh, right. when the Tutsi and the Hutu um, basically slaughtered each other in huge numbers. And um, obviously it's a country yeah. that is in dealing with the aftermath, shall we say, in a very polite way, in a kind of a Western perspective way. But sure. in other words, neighbors who killed neighbors and then now have to live with each other again. Yeah, well, one thing that is important to note, which is a great difference between uh, Romeo and Juliet, which is the play that in the movie this professor tries to mount in Rwanda, mm -hmm. is that in Romeo and Juliet you have the Capulets and the Montagues families, you know, both alike in dignity, as they say in the, in, in the verse. In Rwanda, is a little different. You know, you had two ethnicities, two tribes, the Hutu and Tutsi, like you said, but really it was the sort of extremist Hutu that uh, committed genocide against the Tutsi and right. also moderate Hutu. So it wasn't so much of a civil war as, as much as a, a planned and very um, graphic and, and very quick genocide, one against the other. Right. Um, and uh, it was, you know, I think probably one of the most, the darkest hours in, in recent history. Uh, and the world was didn't really intervene until it was too late. This is in sort of like April 1994. Right. So here we are 20 years later, and this professor, Andrew Garrett, who's sort of in his twilight years as a professor emeritus at Dartmouth, um, decides he wants to take Romeo and Juliet and use it as a tool to reconcile the children of the, the people who are involved in the genocide. Well, let me just pause um, here. Don't Romeo and Juliet end up dead at the end of this play? How does that they reconcile? They do. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's, it's, really, it's a really interesting thing because there are, thing that are the things that are very different and there are things that are similar to the genocide. And that, honestly, that's a point of conflict in the film. You know, he has this idea that he can take the, take the play there and he's going to be this great guy who's bringing reconciliation to, you know, these orphans. And it's a lot more complicated than that. Well, one of the complications, of course, is, as you, as you well know, I'm sure, is the Hutu and Tutsi designation were laid upon them by the shape of their noses. Uh, by the basically the colonial powers that they had, they yeah, were not the, uh, separate it, groups there was, before. There that. was a lot of that kind of morphology stuff, and and there was 
there was even other, you know, uh, there's, there's sort of rumors that it was like if you had more than 10 cows, you were a Tutsi. If you had fewer than 10 cows, you were a Hutu. Right. Um, but essentially, yeah, these were names that were sort of assigned upon people when, you know, powers from Belgium and Germany and France came in and said, okay, we got, we're going to make sense of all this, and, and that's really where the trouble began. Right. Not like yeah. the, the Capulets who were, had been historically, had been a, a noble family, as you mentioned. Well, but yeah, and Romeo and Juliet, I mean, both, both sides are similar uh, families, and they're, and they're fighting each other. I mean, in, in, in Rwanda, you have two very different um, groups uh, in terms of, you know, the Hutu, you know, essentially the working class of Rwanda, and a lot of the Tutsi were in power in the government, and right. um, uh, just a wealthier class. And that created a lot of tension and resentment and uh, problems, and it all, it all led to this horrific end with the genocide. So what did uh, Professor Giraud think was going to happen? You know, it's it's a good question. I mean, I think I think he had a little bit of a question mark as far as what was going to happen in terms of you never know. I I think he he was thinking it was going to be that uh, he would be welcomed with a little more open arms than uh, he was by some. He he does he's done these plays in other places in Bosnia and the Marshall Islands and. His productions over there are usually big hits, and people are thrilled that he's there. He got a little bit more kickback in Rwanda um, because people were saying, you know, we don't need your reconciliation. If you want to come over and stage a play, great. But, um, you know, there were a lot of voices from the cast, and it's in the movie where they right. said, well, what do you what do you know? Right. You know, you haven't been through what we've been through. What do you know about reconciliation? And that sort of stopped him dead in his tracks. Well, Shakespeare is supposed to be so universal, right? I think I think Shakespeare is recognized as, as uh, you know one of our greatest luminaries ever. But he also, I mean, that that's a it's a, another discussion point. You know, is he is he this great um, unifier, or is he the representation of colonial Western ideals that you know we're again trying to impose in Rwanda? I mean, it's a good question. Um, have we graduated from that, or is it still something that needs considering? Okay, well, you are going to be there in person on Friday, March 18th, right? I will be, right in the flesh. Okay, Gil. so people can ask you questions that uh, rise as they watch your film. Anything that, they want. Hopefully that, they a few questions rise. The, yeah, the idea of be. the film is to uh, show what Rwanda is like today and to inspire just that, questions about... Uh, what's going on and the nature of uh, Professor Garrett's project and uh, the merits and and uh, lack of merits thereof, if you so choose. Right. Well, let's look at Stone a little bit. This is Heather Lawson, who's the artist who is dealing in a, um, a what do you call it, a, a medium that's not usually done by women. Yeah, so Heather is a, she's a wonderful person, first of all, but she's also unique, uh, at least in Canada as being one of the only um, females trained as a um, stonemason uh, in the country. So there are there are lots of other stonemasons around the world, but she's unique in Canada. But it's still a re- relatively rare thing to find. It's kind of like finding a female magician. There just aren't that many of them. Um, 
And, uh, you know, she, what's much more interesting than that she's a female stonemason is just her life story and where we find her at this point in her life. She's just recently lost a lot of her friends and, and family and, and how her craft sort of gets her through this moment and inspires her to continue on. All right. And Rust, yeah. we have, uh, here's a person who is an iron worker who is remembering his wife. Indeed. Yeah, so we, th- this is another one of the six, uh, the six documentaries that are being included very generously by the Sebastopol Film Festival. I'm very excited. I think a lot of them are sort of in front of feature films. And this one is about, yeah, an iron worker in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, which mm-hmm. is one of the most beautiful places I think, in the world. And we filmed it sort of at the perfect time in October. So you have all the leaves changing. It's just a very luscious environment. And his work in particular fits in because of these giant, uh, rusted sculptures of iron and steel. And uh, he's also had a moment of loss where he's just lost his beloved wife of many years. And, I mean, I, I, that, that's what interests me about these craftspeople. And as a craftsperson myself is, What's the relationship between your life and your challenges and your obstacles and the work that you do? You know, I, I find them hard to separate, and I think it's really an interesting subject to, to dive into in, in a film. Well, one of the things we have is I noticed that you've got, I guess what are under the rubric, life's work. Uh, you yeah. also have the one on fiber and wood and the one called Ladybug, which yeah. uh, is interesting because it's uh, another, again, it's someone in a medium you don't expect, because this is the metalsmith, Elizabeth, is it Gulick? Gulick, Elizabeth Gulick. Okay. And she makes uh, metal insects, which I find... She does, out of precious metal, gold and silver and precious gems. Yeah, the gold bug of lore. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, no, she she, she does very unique work, very unique work. Well, I look forward to meeting you at the Sebastopol Film Festival from the 17th to the 20th of March in at the Sebastopol Center for the Arts. Thanks for talking I look us. forward to meeting you, and I hope everybody listening will come out and not only come to see our films, but come to see all of the wonderful films at the Sebastopol <laughs> Film Festival. It's a great <laughs> festival, and I can't wait to uh, come and enjoy uh, everybody's company. Thanks so much. Okay, so... Each year, there seems to be clusters of film. One year, we had a lot of films about tea, about drinking tea and growing tea and considering tea and all that. And another year, we had uh, films that all came, you know, based on the what was going on in the Middle East, which, you know, the, the, uh, the summer uprisings and the results of that. And then the next year, there were some follow-up films on that. So you've got one now called Portraits of Resilience is... Um, a category. How did that come together? So what we discovered is this particular year when we were um, collecting submissions and looking through them and really kind of finding the, the diamonds in the rough were that the films that we saw um, from uh, from the Middle East and from that area, from Africa as well, were really focused on not the direct conflict, which really was kind of the twenty. 15 program right. had a lot of direct kind of you know there was it was there was war films involved in that um about Syria in fact and this year what we found is that there was a a great um set of films about the kind of the humanitarian angle of it which is the 
both the aftermath of the 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 hot conflict and kind of how people are are getting along and and how their lives are now in the situation that they find. So uh, three of the films are really uh, very closely related to the um, uh, the Syrian refugee uh, kind of the 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 follow up to that, mm-hmm. um, and they're actually all programmed together. We've got um, actually no, not all of them are programmed together. We've got three of them programmed together, and then there's a fourth one that's separate from the three. So. Yeah, I know. I'm okay. looking at the, I'm, I'm looking at actually seven here. So correct. Yeah, okay. So the going okay, they're, them, but they're uh, from other. The one is from Egypt and another from Jordan from and another Sudan. from uh, South Sudan. South Sudan. Right. So, okay. Yeah. So we've got, uh, but four of them are from Syria, right. and uh, one of them is a doctor who helps uh, victims of kind of the the armed conflict. So anybody who gets injured in the um, in the fighting. And uh, the three others, uh, two of them have to do with the largest refugee camp in Jordan mm-hmm. of Syrian refugees. Um, that's District Zero. And also the other – one of the other uh, web series that we picked up is called Waves of Childhood. Mm-hmm. And so those are – that's actually seven short films by – done by Syrian girls or Syrian young women uh, that were um, – that participated in a media workshop. Now, you've got something called the Student Invitational, which is short films as well. Yeah. We've had an ongoing relationship with some uh, film schools. Right. We're working with um, area – like Sonoma County High Schools. We've uh, kind of engaged with them. We're actually going to be screening the results of last year's Student Invitational. Um, which you know we're finding as we bootstrap this program how <laughs> how you know you start with uh, you start with a, with a, with a, the opening set of numbers and then it kind of winnows down to the people that are kind of like you know gonna finish and then then it actually turns out that we're we're really we're really showing um, one student film as part of this but we will be screening um, uh, one student's film. From the previous student invitational, which right. was the 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 first one that we did, and we did have our our workshop for the second year, the second annual student invitational. But their their school year doesn't coincide with the dates. No, of the and I, you know we're finding out that we really um, need to engage with the schools and the districts, um, kind of in the late spring and summer, so that we can be on their radar at the beginning of the school year. And I think that's where we'll we'll find where we get more traction right now, but. Yeah, so we're 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 learning as we go. It's definitely, but what what we found is that the people, the young people who do get involved, are really invested. They're really interested in the the form of documentary and that sort that that manner of storytelling, uh, using you know the real world as their backdrop. And so, uh, and we're trying to encourage that as uh, you know, and and we do have, and it's fun is that we we do have a. a a, a great relationship with the other film festivals in Sonoma County as well as we're working on this. I know that the Alexander Valley Film Festival, which is in October, they are doing a very similar sort of program more towards narrative work, mm-hmm. which so mm-hmm. we're, we're like, well, that doesn't bother us. We're right. So we're happy to help. Yeah. Right, right. And then one of the things that's popular every year is the is the short film. People oh, yeah. seem to like, you know, and that's true with the Academy Award shorts. They, you know, they package them together and show them in theaters now. And this is an opportunity. You have put a variety of shorts together. 
Now, tell us how long shorts are. So in our festival, a short film is anything less than 50 minutes. Less so than 50, five zero. Five zero, yeah. So that ends up being a pretty wide category of projects. Um, and you'll find that most people consider short films and a lot of other festivals actually consider short films to be under a half an hour. Right. So we're a little bit outside of the norm in that respect. But what it gives us is an opportunity to cluster together – um, elements that you know, uh, or themes that we think work well together, and so we've uh, we we tried that this year, where we've taken um, kind of longer form uh, films that are you know running more towards the forty minute runtime, and pairing them with a few shorter um, you know vignettes that that play well with them, uh, either thematically or subject matter. Yeah. Right. You have them grouped into one, two, three, four groups here with these very enigmatic titles, <laughs> which are just going to make people rush out to see what you meant, because one is called Long and Short. Yeah. The next is Clearing Obstacles mm -hmm. in Monochrome and Of Earth and Water. So who came up with those titles? I actually came up with those titles. <laughs> I And and funny the is The author that, speaks. Yeah, I know. And... and uh, it was funny that when we were programming these, I was just kind of trying – I was trying to find what – how can I in three or four words describe what this is, you know? Uh, and so, yeah. It, it, and each of them does have elements of this. I mean I would put long and short as kind of the least uh, cohesive of the of the four, but they do all work together. And that's co that was because you had a short one and a long one? Well, no. Mean? It's that it was that there were um, – uh, well, actually, one of the names of the films in that block is called Long Story Short, which is a very uh, experimental and innovative approach to uh, documentary in that it used footage from several web cameras that were placed in shopping malls and or, or, or grocery stores and other places where people would talk about their um, their experience with poverty or homelessness. And what they found, what the director found was that uh, their experiences and the phrases they used were so similar that, that you would find areas of overlap. And so she, uh, she actually uh, exploited that in the, in the form. So you see these little windows on screen and people will come on and, and fade off and, and come back on. And their, you know, their language is very consistent between them two. It's really an interesting experiment. It's a little bit, you know – it's a challenging film to watch because first and foremost, you're learning about kind of these people's raw experience. But it's just an interesting approach to talking about um, economic realities of our day. Yeah. You mentioned a thing called uh, creative or experimental docs. We mm -hmm. had a couple of years ago, there was a whole focus on that. What, yeah. in the hybrid docs. The hybrid right? docs, yeah. yeah. And um, what's happened over the year is basically the small camera. The technology has just allowed individuals to take this little small thing and go into places and do things, be right there. There's always um, room for uh, the, the the filmmaker's own voice to kind of emerge from those sorts of films. Many times we've seen – we have seen plenty of, of submissions come in where it was clearly um, – a, a small device or a small camera that was being used. But we focus really on um, documentaries that don't necessarily play like your normal um, 
and I, I don't mean this in a, in a derogatory way, but your normal PBS fare where it's you know nar- narrated or a talking headpiece necessarily, but rather that there's an interesting element to the story or there's, there's an interesting um, uh, kind of view of the character that you don't normally get um, from something that is very uh, regimented or scripted. So what things should – do you think people should really look for? How should they pick up this catalog, as oh, we call goodness. it, and delve in? Uh, well, as we heard uh, from Mr. Proudfoot that uh, he says, well, everybody should be able to see all the movies, you know, and there's just – that's physically impossible. It is. Because you have four to six movies going on at the same time. Right. And and realistically – we, I've tried and I've learned now firsthand. I remember looking at this program for the last few years and going, how can you possibly not get upset about the fact that there's so many good films and you can't <laughs> see all of them? Um, I've been fortunate this year to have seen almost all of these films already. Uh, but yeah, uh, having them kind of where you 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 basically are facing them off against each other. And we We really paid a lot of attention to – um, those different audiences that we're trying to reach and and setting it up so that they have uh, the ability to enjoy their their favorite films if they if you're into art there's several great art films if you're into um, uh, music we have some music films if you are obviously into the hard hitting um, documentaries about you know either uh, the 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 conflict of, in the Middle East or in Africa or elsewhere, there's those are definitely available to you. Um, and there's also several uh, LGBT documentaries that we've uh, programmed this year too. So we've got something for a lot of different uh, constituencies and uh, we're really kind of happy about that. But yes, it, I understand that that you look at the program and you're kind of – you 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 know, you, you're scratching your head going, well, now what? Because now you have to choose. And I appreciate that. We're, we're trying to figure out a way to build the build something so that we might um, so at some point in the future be able to offer an online festival as well. But we're trying to strike the balance of figuring out what the difference between, um, you know, people who want to watch movies uh, in person or versus people who are okay with maybe, you know, being able to watch it in the living room and participate in the festival that way. Right. Okay. You are listening to Word by Word Conversation with the Writers on North Bay Public Media KRCB-FM, where today's guests represent the ninth annual Sebastopol Documentary Film Festival, which opens at 7 p.m. on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th at the Sebastopol Center for the Arts. Sharing the microphone with me is the program director and documentary filmmaker Randy Hall. And calling in by phone was Ben Proudfoot, several of whose films will be part of this year's festival. So stay tuned as we continue the discussion of what you should watch at this year's Sebastopol Documentary Film Festival. So, what? okay, back to your suggestions. These are straight from the programmers. Now, this is going to get you uh, good things and bad things. I know. So let's do this. I'm going to do it a little way. You know what's been selling, right? I do. So we don't have to push those as much <laughs> as something someone may not necessarily have thought of. So can we do that? Is um, that fair? Sure. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Okay. 
Okay. Um, what would we start with? You know, I know opening night is always a big film. And this year I'm, I'm going to have a few words about that. So don't you? worry about oh, we'll, that. We'll skip okay, that. We'll for skip. Now. We'll go okay, forward. We'll go forward from there. Um, <laughs> boy, man, you just it's like so a really, really what I really have gravitated towards this year are the more challenging films. One of them is called Drawing the Tiger. It is a Nepal. It's a story of a, of a family in Nepal. Um, they are subsistence farmers and they're they are counting on their ticket to prosperity is through their daughter. Um, and it follows their that family's story to a um, to a, a difficult conclusion and kind of the the aftermath of it, which is um, that, you know, life goes on and, and life continues and that uh, hope continues for um, and and as I understand, the filmmaker is working on a follow up project on that and she will be present she'll be at the festival this year too so um it should be a very uh, interesting discussion it is in one of our smaller theaters so it's it's definitely these are the ones that do end up having um uh that do end up selling well and that do end up being uh, uh very lively in terms of participation um wow what else there's Jeez, I'm, I'm not even going to talk about the shorts because, you know, the, the thing about the shorts program is that um, what makes it interesting is that we programmed all of the shorts on one screen for the Saturday. So mm-hmm. uh, we call it Saturday Shorts and that it is, um, you know, one screen at the Rialto is just going to do that the whole day long. And I think what's what's nice about it is that um, if you're into shorts, you know where you're going to be. You, you know, and we find that those do pretty well as well. Um Another film that's that's challenging but also very inspirational is called Thank You for Your Service. Mm-hmm. It's done by director Tom Donahue. It is a really, really inspiring story. It's very difficult though because it talks about the lack of a um, behavioral health core in the military service. The fact that there's all these other medical-related um, uh, kind of practices – in um, in the armed services, but not mental or behavioral health, and so it follows the stories of several uh, veterans who have come back from battle and the in and how they kind of find their own way, but that it didn't it doesn't need to be them finding their own way and trying to uh, so it's an issue documentary, but it's very inspiring. I mean, you you find by the end of the movie that you're rooting for these guys. You absolutely want to see them. Uh, whole and successful. Well, one of the difficulties the movie brings up is the fact of labeling. Correct. Because the military... The stigma. The, yeah, they do not want to go to that, you know, psych office mm-hmm. because everybody will know. Right. And yeah. and and part of it is uh, ending that stigma if, if, you know, and it's a long road to do that in terms of the culture of of the military and that, you know, there is very much a kind of, you know, suck it up sort of... Uh, uh, culture there that that um, if you if you show that sort of weakness you're you're setting yourself up for um, all manner of, of you know limiting your own career. Another issue that comes up is a, it's a difficult film because of the subject matter uh, the path appears sex trafficking in the USA. But we just saw this week the story that came out about 
the two pe- three people who were arrested for you know basically enslaving a woman who managed to finally escape and so she didn't get put into a sex trafficking right. ring. And, and you know it's amazing. Uh, it's the timeliness of this where uh, part of this this film um, a path appears is really raising the awareness of you know when people think of sex trafficking. Of of women and of young girls, it is something they think doesn't is elsewhere. They right. think of it as right. out. It's not. It's not a problem no. that happens here. Whereas they they follow um, three storylines in um, the United States that are. I mean, they're they're yeah, they're heartbreaking to watch. But again, there's there's hope. I mean, there's people that are actively out there trying to make a difference and trying to bring this practice to an end. Right. So uh, let me let me go to opening night. And actually the next night, you've got two things that are going on. Yeah. Opening night, I have been invited, and I should in, invite all of my listeners to come see. I've invited to uh, be the host for the film called Hitchcock Truffaut by Kent Jones. Um, and even if you know nothing about Hitchcock, this is a great movie. Because Kent has managed to find, you know, all the traditional, the old family photos and and the interviews from the past Correct. and these, you know, clips from the almost 50 films that, uh, you know, Hitch made. But the, the thing that's really amazing is he's used this seminal book, which is, is was done in 1967, an interview that Francois Truffaut did with Hitchcock. And then they basically wrote it out or the you know the French translator was a uh, actually an American wrote it out and uh, they put it into it something which has made it the bible for so many filmmakers is the the cards the the title boards that Hitchcock made showing how he would lay out the camera shots mm-hmm. and and he was a meticulous he was you know, a very meticulous think in my brain kind of very visual kind of creator, and he would um, come out with a thing, everything. He knew what the movie was going to be like before he, before he even, shot it. Before he cast yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, this shows some of the, you know, basically you you hear the, uh, the words of Truffaut and Hitchcock back and forth um, as the film goes on, and you, you're, you're there. And it's really, really an astounding. It's movie. fantastically put together, yeah. and it, it involves. It has lots of uh, big names in the in the mix as well. Right, right. Um, and um, what I think is really interesting, and again, it's one of these odd serendipity, uh, is that I know that um, my uh, partners down at the Petaluma campus of the Santa Rosa Junior College were just this last week doing. Um, uh, strangers on a train, mm-hmm. and this weekend, um, uh, March thirteenth, there there were doing um, uh, a Bodega Bay was having a film festival, right? Uh, a Hitchcock they were festival. doing they were doing Birds and another film. So right. it was like, yeah, so yeah, it's it's what is it about March that brings this out? But I think it's great, and uh, we're really excited to have you hosting that and having Kent present. Uh, he doesn't normally travel, so uh, if you are looking for uh, kind of really Figuring, you know, it's a filmmaker's film. I get it. It's not. Uh, well, you don't I, think so? No, I think it goes. See, I think that the, the younger universal. generation, yeah. I think you don't have to have seen Hitch's films. No, you don't. Uh, many have seen probably Psycho. Sure. Although they will claim not to remember. <laughs> Maybe The Birds. 
Doubtful Shadow of a Doubt, which was filmed in Santa Rosa. And if you want to see Santa Rosa in 1942, it's all shot downtown there. It's a, you know. You well, you just, can't recognize downtown Santa Rosa well, from what it used to be. Yeah. Well, Some of the buildings Some are of the still buildings there. Still, yeah, yeah, Rosenberg's is still there. So anyway, the other people who were involved, let me just mention a few names, is Wes Anderson, who did mm -hmm. Grand Budapest Hotel and Moonrise Kingdom. He mentions how his personal copy of the book was a paperback volume, and he's used it so much that it's all fallen apart. It's all loose leaf now, And he yeah. has to be held together with rubber bands. <laughs> then we also have David Fincher, who did Fight Club 7 and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Kiyoshi Kurosawa, who do Journey to the Shore, Tokyo Sonata, Richard Linklater, Boyhood know, and Before yeah. Sunrise, and Martin Scorsese. Right. Uh, Raging Bull, Taxi Driver, The Aviator, Departed. Scorsese tells and has talked about in another one of our word-by-word -word shows in, in a biography that was done uh, here was that he would go and watch movies, but starting when he was eight because mm -hmm. he was a stay-at-home kind of kid because of asthma and other things. So he couldn't be out playing stickball, so he'd go to the movie theater on Saturday afternoons. And he remembers Hitchcock, and he remembers Hitchcock vividly because he would come home and then do his own little Super 8 movies, and he would storyboard them the nice. same way. Yeah, so he loves this, the the book and the, the whole thing. So anyway, I'm inviting people to come to opening night. Uh, are you going to have a, a little reception? Yeah, afterwards? we'll have a reception. It's usually what we do at opening night. We have food and, and uh, drink and beverages. It's included in the price of the admission there. Um, so we do charge a little bit more for opening night, yeah. uh, but it's... I mean, it's almost always a sellout, and we'll, we're expecting it to be again. So, right. Yeah. So Friday night at the Barlow. This is new. The Barlow is new, and that's going to be the film Rock in the Red Zone. And so, it yeah. also has the awards party following. It's, a, it's an interesting uh, film about this little town called Shterat, um in uh, Israel, and is the – it's it's about also about the music and about this music hall that was a converted bomb shelter, and um, it's just a very it, it's a it's a really interesting story. It ends up having some kind of you know the filmmakers involved in it. It's very much uh, uh, not just an observational sort of story. It's very personal, and um, perhaps more interesting about it is that we're we're trying to work it out. She's not going to be present. She just had a baby. Ah, uh, so we're kind of like, well, you're not going to be able to make it out for that. But we're trying to see if we can get her on a um, an internet Skype link or, or Skype yeah. or something along those lines, Good. which we've which we did last year do some great uh, uh, success, and so we're hoping that we can pull that off again this year. Yeah. The uh, what's what's also interesting is that immediately following the film, we're starting we're going to be doing our awards show right. and party after that at the Barlow as well in that same uh, in that same space. So we will be handing out awards. There's going to be filmmakers present. Um, uh, it's you know, and there'll be food and drink available there as well. So yeah, yeah, I'll be there doing the film critics yes. award. Yeah, which I love to do because it, it allows me to see docs that I wouldn't otherwise see. Uh, you know, they're not in the movie theater, so. No, yeah. uh, the the films that you that that we uh, provided you to take a look at were definitely not ones that are are in distribution. Uh, there was one nominated for um, um, Oscar, wasn't it? Yes, we yeah. do have an Oscar nominated short in this year's program. It's called Chow Beyond right. the Lines, right. um, and uh, it unfortunately did not win. 
the Academy Award, but um, we're still ple- we're still pleased that we're going to have the filmmaker and her producer here for that as well. Sometime, if you have uh, a few hours, you can uh, pigeonhole me and ask me what I think about how documentary Oscars are selected in the process. But that's another story. That's a story for another that's day. That's a story for another day. <laughs> okay, so what we have we missed. What did – okay. Well, what – geez. Uh, we've got food films. We've got a couple of really interesting food <laughs> Those films. Those are always popular. And they are always, uh, they are always popular. We've um, we brought in um, – uh, one is a local area film. It's kind of a northern California film called Of the Sea. It's a kind of talking about the fishery in um, along the, the coast from Monterey to Fort Bragg. And so the yeah. issues of commercial fishing these days of, of in today's uh, economy and today's kind of climate. And this year especially, everybody's aware of it because of the lack oh, yeah. of crab or the – Exactly, how the crab a, fishery really – For a completely really... non-human reason, well, maybe. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, this a, has causes happened. are, are this very difficult to tease out, happened way before though. In fact, speaking of the birds, mm-hmm. you do know this story. It was a Daphne Maurier story based on an, an attack of birds in the city of Santa Cruz. Really? Who had eaten the shellfish – who were mad. killed from the same from the same algae? Same algae. Wow. Yeah, algal bloom and well, went crazy and crashed into don't cars eat, and Don't windows. eat the the crazy crap. No, that, <laughs> I'm so glad they didn't open the fish. Uh, yeah, because I, I just soon be healthy. I would that, rather right? we didn't have uh, uh, big issues like that. And the other food film that we've got is um, it's a it's a, a German film called Waste Cooking. And so it is a tour of <laughs> Europe where a guy basically goes and, and finds food waste and, and makes gourmet meals around right. Uh, Europe. Right. And it's kind of – so it's an interesting road film. Uh, it is subtitled. We, we do have partners um, uh, sponsoring that film for us. Uh, uh, and it's paired up with an interesting short film called uh, The Chocolate Islands or, or uh, La Ile de Chocolat, which um, is – uh, just a kind of a survey of where chocolate really – the best chocolate comes from. And uh, so, yeah, it's an interesting kind of learn where your food is uh, – comes from. The best chocolate. The best chocolate. That's All what right. they say. I'm not sure. You know, it's like, well. This right. is a matter of opinion, isn't it? I would imagine that it is. Because I went to a chocolate tasting and th- there was, you know, all sorts of different ones with chili peppers and ones with – Exotic flowers and, you know, things like this. And some of them were really, you know, you would know much of it. And others I were just dry and brittle and, yeah, you, you know. And, and there's there's been stories about how um, chocolate is roasted obviously makes a huge difference as to, you know, how it's processed right. really is what makes it edible um, and palatable. So and I think that's part of you're, you're seeing the skill or lack thereof of the people, um, you know. Processing those processing those, little, those seeds. little beans. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, da- dance films, uh, music films. Yeah, we've got some dance films here. So um, one of them is an interesting crossover. It is called Feelings or Facts. It's the life of Yvonne Rayner. Um, it is an. It's interesting because uh, it's it's a portrait of her uh, her work and her life. She was uh, kind of one of the original. Uh, modern dancers, she, or she she was kind of in that, but her body type wasn't really kind of made for uh, for dancing. So it's it's well, so that's a I know again, yeah, it's a subjective right, call, but right. uh, the other part about it is that she's uh, she's and and again, it's not 
integral to the story, but that she happens to be a lesbian as well and has a very uh, interesting lifestyle from that perspective. So it's it, it's an interesting story. Uh, the fact that it's an LGBTQ sort of theme, or you know, there's a subject matter in there. It's not it's not front and center. It's just that it's an interesting portrait of a person um, who's uh, uh, who's kind of pioneered this uh, aspect of dance, and it's preceded by a very very short but beautiful black and white um, uh, dance piece called Reborn. Which we uh, you see it and you're just like wow that's really cool really so, good yeah. yeah so we were fortunate we had a lot of um, uh, a lot of of interesting art uh, and performance art uh, choices in that respect um, from the let me see from the more uh, what was the other one that you mentioned it was oh music um, we have a pair of, of uh, and I'm going to torture this poor uh, this poor name. Is it Idil Beret? Is it? That'll work. Okay. Uh, the Portrait of a Child Prodigy. It's um, you know a Turkish film, but it is uh, kind of the 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 life of this piano uh, a pianist, and it is preceded also by another pianist who is blind and uh, is very, you know, a, another one of these. So that one's called Thrive. There's um, there's tons of art in this in this program as well. We've got uh, the Dry Brush Master, which is part of one of the shorts programs we do, where it is uh, the um, the the discussion of this this comic book artist but he doesn't do comic books the way you normally think of it he is he literally uses uh japanese ink and and brush to 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 make these amazing black and white uh graphic novels mm-hmm. and uh that's this the artist is illustrator greg ruth so there's there's something again there's something for everybody in this program there's yeah i want i want to recommend one uh, which one i want to recommend a mystery that's in here called the oh, Amina, the Amina profile. profile because this starts out I mean seriously when I and when I was screening it it starts out with uh someone you know doing this internet connection I love you I love you too I'm looking for somebody oh so am I we should get together and then it shows a silhouette of two women you know who are meeting for the first time and getting undressed and I said what is this what thing? am I seeing what am I seeing <laughs> it turns out that one was in Syria and one is in Canada correct and um, what happens – I don't want to give too much away here. But the woman who is communicating from Syria is uh, doing a blog called A Gay Girl in Damascus. Yep. And shortly after the Canadian and the Syrian woman meet up online, the Syrian woman goes off air and nobody knows what happened to her. So and this is all happening in the context of the Arab Spring. All of happening in the Arab yeah. Spring. And I'm only going to say that much because that's yeah. enough. Because that's enough right? to get people kind of like, And I hope this? that you come and see it because yeah. you will not expect where this is going. Yeah, it, it, was, it, it is. It's a very, very interesting story. It 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 switches. The the story changes throughout. Don't give it away. No, 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 no. no. I'm not, I'm not going to say any more. <laughs> but just that it is a very, very – engaging story. Yes. And I think that's it's indicative of the sorts of work that we end up doing. We just we talk a lot about these sorts of of documentaries that play a bit like narratives. Right. Yeah. 
Well, that's what this is. It's a mystery. It is, it is as they say, aye, that is a mystery. Yes. <laughs> you have been listening to Word by Word Conversations with writers on North Bay Media, KRCB-FM, where today's guest represents the ninth annual Sebastopol Documentary Film Festival, opening on St. Patrick's Day, Thursday evening, March 17th, until Sunday afternoon, March 20th, at the Sebastopol Center for the Arts and the Rialto Cinemas and the Barlow for yeah. a couple nights. Sharing the microphone with me was program director and documentary filmmaker Randy Hall, along with a call-in from a wonderful filmmaker, Ben Proudfoot, whose films will be at this year's festival. Our studio engineer for today's show is Jesse Fancushin. KRCB's program director is Sean Knight, and also helped with the uh, engineering today a little bit. Logistical support is provided by Wendy Nicholson. Our theme music is by Bill Conti, and I am your host, Gil Manser. I would like to extend to you an invitation to join me on St. Patrick's Day for, as I've mentioned, the opening night of the Sebastopol Documentary Film Festival for Kent Jones' marvelous documentary, Hitchcock True Foe. The Again, to put a plug in, you can find all about the film festival at sebastopolfilmfestival.org. Be sure to catch our next word-by-word broadcast on Sunday, April 10th, when our guests will be writers involved in the Redwood Writers California Writers Club Conference, scheduled all day Saturday, April 23rd, at the Flamingo Hotel. And the plug for them is available at redwoodwriters.org. Until next time, here's an Irish toast. St. Patrick was a gentleman who, through strategy and stealth, drove all the snakes from Ireland. Here's toasting to his health. But not too many toastings, lest you lose yourself and then negate what old St. Patrick did and see all those snakes again. 